This is great. Chilling by the ocean, waves crashing, drink on the side. Death Star flying above me. Are those Typhon? The sun is out and our blockade is legal. Join Robin Boat and Sean Michaud right now. Right now. Welcome back to Burbank's finest all meat. 100% all meat. <laughs> no, welcome back to Burbank's finest all meat. Episode 39, 40. Yeah, we're 39. 39. 39. I, I lost track of what. <laughs> it's easy. We're still in quarantine. We're going to keep these episodes rolling through uh, this pandemic quarantine to help you guys through this. How are you doing, Robin? It's It's been a while. Not, not really yeah. been a while, but. It feels like it's been a while, like you said. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just hanging out in quarantine, like you said, here in Portsmouth, and just been watching some Clone Wars. I think that's been the biggest thing to come out of this week so far. Mm, yeah, it, that was a wild episode. Oh, oh, man. Let's start off with that stuff, Sean. What are your reactions? And then we're going to have some guests give their reactions to it as well. But what are, what are your thoughts on this? Because now... We're heading into some interesting territory that I didn't think they'd jump right into, but they did. No, no especially going st- straight back, seeing ha- having Ahsoka go back to help with Obi Wan and Anakin. It was like that quickly. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I thought there was going to be some more interplay between what's going on with Mandalore and Ahsoka. I thought there was going to be some more with Bo-Katan and her before they went to the Republic. I, like, I feel like happen. we're going to get those in those those last few episodes. Or, gotcha. Like, yeah. Um, it's crazy to have... What was what? the big thing for you, though? I'm, I'm curious to hear because we, we got a lot of... Ter- we, got, we went into... What I'm trying to say is we went into a lot of territory where we're now at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Like, officially. I, we are yeah, I know. It, it, it's funny because, like, hearing all, all those names uh, when Obi-Wan was talking about the the Jedi and mm. I was Shakti and I can't remember Lyra who else. Kisura. Lyra Kisura and and then, uh, oh, Cl- uh, Plo Koon. Plo Koon, yeah. I mean, that it, was cool to see. It was. That I mean, was cool to see. It's crazy to see how a jump of an episode from the from the the two sisters to this episode. Oh, it was, and it, it really took me off for a second. I was like, "Whoa, hold on a second. Like, Brand new intro, everything." I was that like, intro, oh, that intro, gave me chills, and it's, oh. and when I saw the intro, I was like, "This is definitely Darth Maul's territory." Yes, yeah, they're teasing the dark side stuff, not with just with Darth Maul, but even Anakin, you can even see it more now than ever. His emotions are getting to him now. Yeah, and uh, my favorite part of the episode is just when Ahsoka gets her two lightsabers from Anakin. Oh, the fulcrum sabers. Oh, man. Like, that moment is like, she that's defines her new uh, fighting style when we yeah. see in Rebels. Yep. 
Yeah, it totally does. And I think the moment between her and Anakin in total, like, I think it was funny. He just really wanted to catch up with her, but she meant all business. But I, I think it really started to settle in for her. Like, you know, it's great to see him and it's great to have this interaction with him. Like, I, you know, because Anakin's grown up a lot ever since Ahsoka left mm -hmm. the Order. It, not too long in the timeline, but long enough where, you know, Anakin has experienced a lot. He's now in a full-fledged relationship with Padme. Um, mm -hmm. You know, emotions are really at a high Was, point. Were they in a relationship during the beginning of Clone Wars or? The beginning of Revenge of the Sith, because when they came back from the Battle of Coruscant and he was honored, remember him and uh, Padme and him met up in the, in the, in the part of, one of the part of the palace. He, right. he ran from everybody else to go see her um, in Revenge of the Sith. So I, I feel like I feel like they're probably at that point, and even already this season, Sean, we've already seen him sneaking off to talk to Padme a couple, you know, that one mm -hmm. time. Um, so it's there. It's I just. Hope, I hope we see Padme. Well, like maybe uh -huh. a, her and see because we know Ahsoka and Padme were really close because of with Anakin. I don't think Ahsoka knew how close Padme and Anakin were. Mm -hmm. Maybe she had a hunch. She may have. You notice that when oh, that one part when Anakin walks away and a, and she's about to go off to Mandalore after she's accepted the sabers, the face that she makes, like she's smiling and everything, and then she looks down, and it's not that she's smiling; it's almost like she's concerned. You know, like it's great to see Anakin, but there's also something in the Force that's pulling against her and saying, "Hold on a second, You know. Well, because. You can, can sense it. Yeah, we, we kind of know that in Revenge of the Sith because of, of course, Anakin and the, uh, the Chancellor, of course, the Emperor. And do we see in the future, in future episodes with em the Emperor and Ahsoka? Oh, do we see her speaking with the Chancellor at all? Yeah, because... Yeah. Uh, kind of similar way with Ezra. But right, right. I mean, I think, you know, we're right at the beginning and the way that this episode ended too. I mean, <laughs> Dark Maul is like, you know, you're not the Jedi I expected to see, but I'll take it basically. And, you know, the whole idea that he wanted to get Obi-Wan to try to come to Mandalore, but Ahsoka went instead. Like that just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know where they're going to go with it. I mean, we know that they're going to have a battle, of course. But it's what does Maul say to Ahsoka during that battle? Mm -hmm. Is he going to let anything slip to her that she kind of has to not tell the Jedi Order? Because technically, she's a great Jedi. She's in the middle. So does as, she as, reveal as anything? In, as in that episode, she's a great Jedi? Or is she becoming a great Jedi? I think she's, to be honest with you, I think she's in limbo right now because she's thrown back into the fight. She is fighting for Mandalore not for the Republic, she's fighting it more to save the galaxy in this case, to eliminate any evil that does exist for herself more than anybody. This isn't to protect Obi-Wan or Anakin. This is because she's seeing people suffering. Well, and, that, and that's, she, that's, why, I, that's why I don't think the sisters were filler episodes. Uh, oh, interesting. Now, say more about that, because I feel like our fans need to hear that. I mean, of course, some. Um, I do like the episodes. I think it could have been combined in 
in a short like in a much couple. shorter time time yeah. frame than dragging it out for four episodes. Yeah, but I, I but I think they needed to to show other like char- other characters in the underground area of Coruscant of yeah. struggling, and Ahsoka saw that, and this that might change her mind. That probably did change your mind again. Right, right. Because we That's don't, an interesting perspective. We, they say we hope to see them again, or Ahsoka's dead. Right. So, I mean, and it kind I, of I, don't, like- I don't think it's a filler, but some, I see why some people do. I think it was yeah. dragged out way too much, too long. That's my opinion. Yeah. No, that's a perfect opinion on that. That's, you know, I think, I think you're taking like kind of like the, the middle area in the conversation, which is really smart because we know with Filoni that he usually reuses characters at some point. I could totally see them flying into the battle of, of the, the siege of Mandalore and helping Ahsoka out with, with her ship. You know what I mean? I could see something like that happening um, as we head further and further into the storyline, because again, George, George taught Filoni how to use characters properly. And we're seeing that play out with Ahsoka in the last season of Clone Wars. And Sean, the other thing I want to ask you about too is that, and it's, and it's really along the lines of Ahsoka too, is, mm-hmm. you know, she's moving down this path and she's really starting to separate herself, not just from the Jedi or from her past even. She's really separating herself from the entire galaxy as a whole. And what I mean by that is she has been able to determine her own path by experience and by wisdom that she has gained along the way. And I think in all honesty, and I'm going to, I'm so fascinated to see where we go and what the interaction with Maul is like, but I'm going to say this. And I never thought I would say this about the character of Ahsoka Tana. I know Chris Letty over at Six Scale Scavengers would love me saying this, would absolutely love me saying this. And Kelly over at Team Ahsoka would love me saying this. I think Ahsoka is probably the most crucial character in the Star Wars timeline and in the Star Wars fandom. I do. Mm -hmm. I think she is the most well-developed, well-focused character. And I think what we're going to see in Clone Wars here is not necessarily a story about how the Clone Wars end and the Empire takes over, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I see this as an Ahsoka story. I really do. And I think we're going to fall in love with it very quickly. No, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I feel like Ahsoka's... She's, she's a, con- a comeback head, kind of. Yeah, totally. That's a great way of putting it. And... I think for the for the Mandalorian, I think that's gonna help her mm. uh, have her own series, her own yeah. storyline. Probably the time like where the Ahsoka book takes place, maybe after. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. From from that time period to the Mandalorian time, or after. Yeah. I mean, that's such an interesting part of the but, timeline that they're going to be able to play in, too. Yeah, she, she's she's one of the most important characters in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Up there with Anakin, Obi-Wan. Uh, Skywalker, definitely. Sky, Luke, yeah. You know, I feel like there's some of that involved in there, too. I mean, 
And the beauty of, you know, talking about the Mandalorian timeline, and I think what's most fascinating is that, you know, and again, I'm going to cycle it back to Ahsoka, and I, and I don't want to move too far away from Clone Wars, but I think her interactions with Anakin, I think full circle for me would be is that Anakin was her master, and she finally has the ability to meet Luke on some level. I, I don't know why I feel like we would complete the Star Wars timeline from prequels to sequels if that moment happens, because then we've got the ultimate character that we were introduced to in Clone Wars in the animated series throughout Rebels. I mean, she would span all of this, the, the original, you know, heading towards the end of the original trilogy and into the sequel trilogy. Like that's that's how important she is. Yeah, and it's just it's interesting to see how how far she developed from the very beginning to essentially rebels. That's where we, and that's a lot of time uh, time frame to get notes, basically take jot notes on her and. Yeah, and see how much she developed as a character, and I, I get to give a round of applause for Dave Filoni for doing that. I think she's one of the most well-developed characters in Star Wars. Amen. <laughs> Amen. She is the most well-developed character, and I don't know. You know, I, we can't say enough about Ahsoka, but I think Clone Wars here too, Sean. I mean. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this too. Thank goodness Lucasfilm and Disney gave him the platform to, to do this final season. Because now I'm starting to think if we didn't get this final season, Ahsoka showing up in the Mandalorian, I don't think would have any context other than the end of rebels. It I, wouldn't, I, I, I it wouldn't have made sense. I lost, I lost a, a book on it all, but they haven't. But how long have we been wanting this? Like how long have we been waiting for a a real a real ending to Clone Wars? You and I have been waiting for years. For yeah, three or four years. Yeah, about since yeah, about. when did Clone Wars end? It was twenty eleven, twenty twelve. It was no, it was dur- I think it was two thousand thirteen. Was it thirteen? Thirteen, okay. fourteen. I because I remember I, I was in college. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's right. We were both at Great Bay at that time. That's right. So yeah, that would have been right around that time period. So yeah, we waited probably, yeah, almost exactly six years for this thing to finally hit and for us to finally get something. So yeah, well, I'll be fascinated to see, man. I think next week's episode, we see the first part of Siege of Mandalore, which by the way, I mean, you want, <laughs> and remember the last thing I said to you was how are they going to handle this without getting too graphic? They've done a fantastic job so far. Those visuals alone. I mean, why does each episode getting better with these visuals? Oh, the, the I, mean, this, just, I know you're the, an animation guy. Yeah, it just seeing the the fight between the the at the end, the uh, middle to the end is like just seeing those each one of the characters are just flying flawlessly with this animation. It's so cool to see. It really is. I mean, jet-packed Mandalorians flying alongside jet-packed clone troopers is just one of the best things 
ever. Jetpacks in Star Wars are just cool. It's that simple. Wow, Jet. I always when I play the going back to Star Wars Battlefront Two, the the original one, I always chose the the jetpack guy when yeah. I was on my team. I was like, it's so much to fly around, just start shooting. <laughs> fun, man. It's a lot of fun. And uh, now did you I, have did you have a favorite? Part I don't think it, we went through that. I'm trying to think. Um, from the original from from Clone Wars this episode. Yes. Uh, I think probably the best part for me. I think the one the one part that that I felt the most emotion, and I wasn't sure how it was going to play out because it was teased as celebration, was when Ahsoka turns around and looks at Anakin. Oh. And, the uh and the message to him and to hear them say that we have a message from fulcrum is like oh yes oh yes okay here we go because there's the connection to rebels there's the connection to rebels with who fulcrum is mm-hmm. and who truly fulcrum is um and i think that moment i was wondering how that would sound and how it would go and just seeing anakin's face like oh my goodness gracious she 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 just turns around. And like, she's like, "Oh, I'm here." I don't. She she really looked phased seeing Anakin. No, no, she she, is she looked she, she didn't look pissed, but she she looked like she didn't really want to meet with him. She didn't want to have to resort to this. No, that's right. She didn't want to have to get to this point. And we see, and then going back with with, with Obi Wan, just saying how just seeing his change of tone, I think was really. Really cool to see. Like, even when he said, may the force be with you, he I felt like he didn't mean it. Right. Because, because we know the, the conflict between Ahsoka and not uh, believing in the Jedi Order. Which she was right to have. <laughs> when you look yeah. back, I think Obi-Wan later came to that recognition. Probably in conversations on Solitude, on Tatooine with Qui-Gon. Like, that's why... And that's why I'm going to say this now. That's we, why Obi... Oh, what are you going to say? Do we see her, her in the Obi-Wan series? I don't know. I think that's why she's showing up for Mandalorian. I really do. I think that's why they're introducing Rosario Dawson as her. It's because she's going to show up in that series. And there's going to be conversation between those two. Rosario Dawson... Even though I don't see her as Ahsoka, just imagine Rosario Dawson with Ian McGregor. Oh, young <laughs> sitting around a campfire having conversations about the Jedi and, and the Jedi Order. Oh man, she just oh, comes some marshmallows and some Hershey bars for that one. <laughs> what from the spaceship has landed? The spaceship has landed. Write that down. 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 Oh, the SpongeBob references. Enough of those. Enough of those. We'll have plenty of those. It, it just, they just happen. They just happen here in the boys. But anyway, we got two amazing perspectives here from two amazing individuals about their thoughts on the latest episode of Clone Wars, which involves around the Siege of Mandalore Part 1. And of course, our man, the part robotic, part Sith kind of person, Lord, whatever you want to call him. Kind of. uh, Darth Maul coming back into the series. Here's Andrew Garish, of course, of Words of the Wills podcast, and our good friend Fabio of Tatooine Time. Enjoy, guys. We'll be right back. 
Hey Blockaders, this is Fabio of Tattooing Times. First of all, I want to thank Robin and Brick City Blockade for giving me the opportunity to talk about my reactions for the first episode of The Siege of Mandalore. The Siege of Mandalore Part 1 is without a doubt the missing between the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith, which is to this day my favorite Star Wars movie. From the Jedi Generals Plo Koon and Ayla Secura heading to their missions where they will eventually fall during Order 66, to Anakin and Obi-Wan embarking on a rescue mission to save Chancellor Palpatine, who's been kidnapped by General Grievous. Another thing that I really enjoyed was the subtle callbacks, visually and musically, from the different Star Wars movies, from The Last Jedi, to Return of the Jedi, to even A New Hope, and of course, Revenge of the Sith. I cannot wait for next Friday. I hope you guys enjoyed, and may the Force be with you. Hey guys, I'm here with Andrew Garish, of course, host of Words of the Wills podcast. Andrew, latest episode of Clone Wars, you and I were messaging each other in Facebook Messenger, and the first thing you said, oh my goodness, Siege of Mandalore Part 1. Let's get your perspective on it. What did you uh, think? Just so much stuff was coming out of it. Um, the first thing that threw me off was the classic Lucasfilm Limited. Mm. Uh, logo right before the intro it's yeah. it feels like it's a movie right now um right. the way it's shot the way everything is flowing it feels like it's a movie which i think once everything's wrapped up um they might like combine all of the last four episodes into like a two-hour movie or something like that at some point right and just do like um the end of the the Clone Wars in that way or something like that mm-hmm. um, for like a DVD release or something like that maybe um, but the episode itself is easily the best episode of this season of Clone Wars um, there's just so much going on in it the first shot of Obi-Wan which was just fantastic mm. it was so cool when he cut the rocket out of the sky Mm-hmm. And saved Commander Cody, which, given the timeline we're in now, in a few days, months, Commander Cody gets that order. Yeah. So it's like, it's just mind-blowing. It's like, wow. Kenobi saved him when he was pretty much going to die. And a few days, few months later, like a flick of the switch... Commander Cody is trying to kill Kenobi. It's just, there's so much going on. And the shot of Anakin, pretty much just reminiscent of The Last Jedi. With oh, Luke with Luke, yeah. Walking out, facing the battle droids. It's just, none of the lasers are touching him. He's dodging them all. And it was just a really good moment to see. Anakin and Obi-Wan one more time, like doing something in the Clone Wars, because Mm -hmm. as soon as they meet up with Ahsoka again, not giving a full overview of everything, but as soon as Anakin gets his moment to talk to Ahsoka, as soon as that happens, the alarms go off. Coruscant has been attacked. The Chancellor is with a shock T, which is a really cool nod to the micro Clone Wars um, series yeah. that came out in 2003. So it kind of has a little bit of that candor, which is really cool for the fans of that. 
And knowing that this is the moment they talked about in Rebels, where Ahsoka said, the last time I saw my master, he was rushing off to save the Chancellor. And then everything changed. Yeah. Um, I talked about this with a few people. The third episode in this arc is going to end on a cliffhanger. Mm. And I mm. guarantee it. I was going to call him Captain Rex. He's Commander Rex now. Mm-hmm. He's going to get that message on the hologram to execute Order 66. And then it will cut to the credits. The next episode will be full on. Order 66 from the clone's perspective and from where Ahsoka is right now. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's something you've been talking about too, Andrew. And Sean and I have talked about it on this episode too, is that the development with Ahsoka in terms of her character, we're seeing that in the interaction between her and Anakin. We're seeing that in between, you know, and I even said it to Sean here on this episode, um, is that Ahsoka really is in the middle. She's not playing Jedi. She's not playing Dark Side. She's not playing anything. She is. She has become the individual that she has wanted to become. And you can sense that. You can even though she's happy to see Anakin in this episode, there's there's some there's some worry there. You can sense it with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it's that moment, like she said in Rebels, after. He rushed off to go and save the Chancellor. That was the last time I really saw my master. You could feel that in that moment. Yeah. And there's a lot of really cool moments in this season of Clone Wars. I really wish we got a little bit more episodes. Um, I wish we got at least 12 is enough of what we're getting. But I do kind of wish it was like a full season like the other seasons where it was at least 20 episodes. Because mm-hmm. I think a little bit more could be even more fleshed out. Because we didn't get too much of Kenobi, which is kind of let down. But I can also understand it at the same time. Because they need to get Anakin in there. They need the Bad Batch and what Ahsoka is doing. And then go into the Siege of Mandalore. Um, one thing I did notice. Two things. One, I think I saw Sabine's mother, um, part of Maul's people. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize that Gar Saxon was part of Maul's group. Yeah. I forgot about that. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And the He's fact that all. he lived through Maul's stuff and continued to work with the Empire after that. So it's quite amazing. It's really interesting. Yeah. And my final thought on this to you, Andrew, my final question to you before uh, we throw it over, of course, to our uh, Mr. Fabio Fiore of Tatooine Times. Uh, Listen, Ahsoka's character herself, we're seeing everything happening. And I talked to Sean about this on this episode in particular already. If you guys go back and listen, Um, we discussed Ahsoka's development and, of course, her relationship with Obi-Wan. Now we know the moment that you spoke of where she really saw her master for the last time. We know that we're going to get some more with Obi-Wan with the Obi-Wan Kenobi series at some point. Is Ahsoka showing up in the Mandalorian, a test run with Rosario Dawson for her to finally show up in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and to have a real discussion about everything that happened. I think so. 
Um, like, I feel like Clone Wars is really setting her up as the character in this time and period. Yeah. Um, Mandalorian season two is still on schedule for this fall, right? Correct. As of right now. So then Kenobi is not until like sometime next year. So yeah, I can see that as a test run to see how well it's received. The only issue I will have is if they don't have Ashley Eckstein voice Ahsoka because Mm -hmm. only because we heard her voice in the rise of Skywalker. Right. To keep the continuity and to keep it's difficult to do, but keep the fans of Ahsoka happy, have Ashley voice her. Right. I don't I understand if Rosier whatever ugh, Rosario Dawson, with, yeah. Yeah, I'm terrible with saying names, but That's I right. I can understand if she wants her own voice as Ahsoka, but for the right thing it has to be Ashley Eckstein. It has to be. The other thing, I really like seeing Ahsoka with blue lightsabers. Mm-hmm. I, I know. I think it's a really cool touch, and it's the last thing of Anakin she would ne- pretty much have right now. Yeah, it is. And it meant the most in the moment. It meant the most in this episode in particular, and the entire Siege of Mandalore Part 1. There's the the action, the jetpacks, the, you know, <laughs> clone troopers with jetpacks fighting against Mandalorians with jetpacks, man. I mean, it is everything that you love to see in Star Wars. And Filoni, again, bravo, showing us why he is the master of Star Wars. I'm just going to say it. He is. He knows how to project this galaxy far, far away onto the fans in a way that we can all love and we can all understand. Mm-hmm. I and agree with that completely. So, thank you, Andrew, for your input on Clone Wars, this uh, this first part to the Siege of Mandalore, and of course, Darth Maul. We're going to be seeing some more of him coming up, too. Yeah, and Exciting. It's going to be interesting with part two. I have a few ideas of what's going to happen, but we'll wait and see. And you yeah. know, we'll be hearing from Andrew on words of the wills. And of course here on the brick city blockade coming up. Thanks for your input, Andrew. Always love hearing you. Of course. May the force be with you. Well, thank you to our two contributing guests for their input on the latest episode of clone wars. I have to agree with Andrew. This whole siege of Mandalore focused part one episode was really important sean and i think uh one of the best parts about this latest episode is that we're going to see more of ahsoka we're going to see her her uh development more as a character and like you said i think we're heading down a path where we're going to see her play such a major role it's this this season is or this last few episodes more i uh ending of the skywalker story I think I feel it, but speaking of, I don't know where I'm heading with this <laughs> transition. <laughs> I know because because it's an interesting way to transition from Star Wars to music, kind of like what we did with the baseball in the last episode. But, but uh, we have this little thing that we've been doing called mm. top tens. But before yes. this, have you been listening to anything recently? Just Ooh, okay. Just, uh, stuff that you've been want to give a, a shout out to yeah, during this time. Throw up my Google Play uh, playlist that I have. Let me right go now. to my Spotify playlist. 
Yeah, because I'm telling you right now, like with everything happening in quarantine, and please tweet us out if you agree with this, because I feel like I've spent more money on music during this time than any other time. Oh, I, I just, well, I, I just have Spotify premium, so I'm already paying I gotta every get month. It's, it's really get good. I don't know. It's something that uh, I've been battling with and I think is going to have to happen. Um, l- listen, some of the artists I'm going to shout out right here. If you know Brick City Blockade, send us a big old hey if you know that you're listening. Uh, Roddy Rich, I've been listening to more of his stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. I've, I, pretty- haven't heard, I haven't listened to any stuff, but I heard of his stuff is pretty good. Yeah, that. Um, I've been listening to this band called Fat Night. Um, Fat which is Night? really cool. Yeah, they do like it's interesting. It's like 60s soul music with like simple guitar and bass. I think I'm, I'm gonna share them with you because I think. Oh, like, I see it. Uh, I'm on right now. Yeah, Fat Night. I've also been listening to The Dip, which is one of like I have to admit, The Dip is probably my favorite. Uh, easygoing jazz rock band right now. They do a little bit of a mix of like, again, 50s style jazz, rock, soul. Um, they've been my go-to. And one of the other groups I've been listening to a lot, and I think you know who they are, Sean. Um, the name of the band is Beirut. Have you ever heard of them? Beirut? <laughs> Beirut. No, there, there's a band called Beirut. <laughs> I know there is. No, Beirut. Like the like the like the uh, city, Bay. Uh, oh, Beirut. I don't think so. Oh, that, see, that's interesting. You're the music guy, so I was hoping you maybe you've heard of them. But I've been listening to uh, some of them as well, and of course, uh, the usual reggae that guy like Soja and Iration, Stick Figure. Um, a new guy called Kyle Ahern. He is the guitarist from Revolution. He's doing some of his own off to the side work. Which has been really cool um, to hear what he's doing. But what about you? What's on your Spotify? Uh, Spotify? I've been. What I've been listening to? I've been listening to a, a new album, uh, Mother by In This Moment. They just released a new album. Uh, Write these heavy, names down. Heavy, heavy metal band. Uh, really good. Um, okay. Here's the, here the pad. I'm writing it down. Pad. Well, I already will forget mine, but I'll, I'll listen to this again. To find out what music <laughs> is, um, I've been listening to uh, Jesse Ray's. How do you spell uh, J E S S I E? Yes, R E Y E S. Oh, Jesse Ray's. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, she did stuff with Eminem, Six Black, or Six Lack, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Uh, her new album just came out. New album. Okay. Um. <laughs> I've been listening to who else? I've been listening to uh, uh, some Selena Gomez. Or I know Selena's like your go-to for some stuff. Yeah, um, I'm on a huge uh, Megan The Stallion. <laughs> yeah, just been listening to her nonstop. Uh, yep. Uh, run the jewels a little bit there. Um, yeah, yeah. Gotta get that horse right in there. Uh, Kelsey Ballerina. Um, really, I like some country. I mean, I used to I used okay. to listen okay. to her stuff. Um, yeah. What else? What you? What else you got? Maybe a couple more. Um. Let the fans know what what Sean Michaud's listening to. Uh, Kid Cudi's new song just came out. It's so good. Oh, okay. I gotta write that down. Kid Cudi's new song. 
You know the uh, delinquents. Um, okay. Folks, take that yeah. down. And one more I'll say I've been listening to uh, Princess Nokia. Oh my goodness. I am so glad you brought her up. She is one of my favorites now. Mm-hmm. I love Oh, and, oh and, and Jean Accio, sorry. Her new oh, album, too. Yeah. Oh. I've I, I just been listening to a lot of R&B recently. This is, this is the mood for R&B right now, man. Like, quarantine time, you just want to chill back, have a drink, and listen to some R&B. Yeah, Jean Aiko, I've been listening to her stuff for a long time, and I'm so glad you brought up Princess Nokia. Everybody's like, who the hell are you talking about? I'm like, go look her up. She's doing some pretty cool uh, stuff. Go listen to China. Uh, she just passed away uh, recently, but yeah. no one no one knew about her her stuff. But uh, she's a hip hop artist that I guess mm-hmm. uh, she pa- passed overdose. I think, but oh, but she's she's really good. Awesome! Oh, so many good music recommendations right there, Sean. Perfect, but. As we move out of our recommendations, is it time to get into our top 10 what? Top 10 albums of all time slash that define us. Uh, I don't know what to call it. Uh, I like that term, define us, because they do. These albums do define us. Yes. All right. You want to kick off with number 10, or you want me to kick off with number 10, my friend, as I'm sipping my whiskey? Uh, I have to get into my notes, because I wrote this down. No time. Time to get some notes. Take your uh, notes. Rock, paper, scissors. We can't do this over line. Um, <laughs> Say what we have. <laughs> one, rock, paper, paper scissors. 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 What'd you get? I said scissors. I had scissors too. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll just go. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, my number 10, I guess, we're going to start out with, uh, um, sorry, uh, no, go, sorry, my, my phone's being stupid right now. Oh, okay. Are the worst. Okay. Uh, my number 10 is Illmatic by Nas. Great choice. Yes. Great choice. Great. That's the NOS album that I continually go to. Every that album I can listen to them start to finish. Can't mm-hmm. never can't skip a song. And no. It's funny because last year when I was going to New York City, it's like I'm putting this on my playlist. Oh, I was like, I have on my on the on my road trip. It's like it's such a good road trip song to go to New York City because it's it's a New York album it is it's a really it's a it's a new york focused album yes yes and i think it's that song still holds up to this day i think totally it's, it's so it's, favorite song off that album oh wow 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 you have to get back to me on that one <laughs> I'll, post, okay. I'll post my favorite song from that album over on our twitter page so that okay. people can see yeah, my, mine has to be life is a bitch and and I oh, think it's a good one. And it's it's just so relevant to life, especially right now. It's like life it's is a bitch. bitch but <laughs> you got you to gotta move on and you can't do anything about it. It's like, and I, the lyricism of Nas is so, um, he, he still, 
It's so, it's so good. It's like New York because the first song I listened to him by Nas because uh, was New York City to mine because my dad had it on his old, old iPod Touch and I listen I listened to it on in Puerto Rico and it's like this is this is where I began listening to uh, going more underground hip hop before yeah, that's right. before I had all of this mainstream hip hop i mean it's not it is mainstream because it's it's popular but that's how i became a huge nas fan and just yep. while listening to the song is so it's such an iconic song too mm, mm, it totally is all right i got my i got my favorite one all right number 10 i got it for you right oh now. sorry for you favorite song. favorite song from illmatic all right you ready mm-hmm. the world is yours i love that song isn't that such a good song? I oh, you got Sean singing it. You got Sean singing it. He loves it so much. Oh yes, that is. I'm so glad you chose that as number ten. My number ten is a bit, little band, and you know I really love this band. Uh, it's the number one. The band is name is Keen. Uh, I've seen them live now it, uh, a couple times. The album I'm thinking of. It's Under the Iron Sea by Keen. Um. This was like their premiere album. It had "Is It Any Wonder" on it. It had. Oh, that's a good. That's a good. I love that song. Oh man, it is so from, iconic. From now, from now on, we're gonna be gushing over songs. We're just gonna. I love this song. <laughs> I love this song. <laughs> It's just gonna happen. It's just gonna happen. Yeah, under the Iron Sea. Not too much I can say about it, other than it's Keen's best album. It's the one somewhere only we know is oh, on. Oh, okay, it's that album. I was trying to look. Yeah, yeah it, I thought. Oh. My favorite, I, I love Hopes and Fears. That's a great album. Hopes and Fears is a great album as well, 100%. I think if it wasn't Under the Iron Sea, I was really battling between that and Hopes and Fears. I really was. Um, so I, not much more I can say other than number 10, Under the Iron Sea by Keen. Yeah, it's a consistent listen. It's a chill back, have a drink, and just kind of relax on a Friday evening kind of album. So I'm super excited. How about, uh, number nine for you, Sean? Uh, number nine has to be actually a very recent album, which came out last year. Mm. And thank you next by Ariana Grande. <laughs> I knew you were going to have Ariana in here somewhere. That is a really good album though. I agree uh, with you. I mean, I love sweetener, but I, Oh Yeah. But I think I, I listen to Thank You Next more than Sweetener. I can see that. I mean, Sweetener has, uh, I don't know, I, I love both albums, but I think Thank You Next is such a good, uh, feel-good album just to listen to. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's, I guess it's relatable to some people. Uh, I, I just love Ariana Grande. She's and great. I think, I think she needs to up her level to... Even to like an Adele type album song. Album. Yeah, really focus on her vocals. She uses. Oh, I love her vocals. I mean, she was. Uh, did you uh, listen? Watched uh, the Disney uh, yes. thing along yeah, last I, night. Her. I was talking with Jenna. Her Hercules, her Hercules yeah. cover is fantastic. Yeah. The, what song was it? It was. Um, oh my goodness gracious! There's so I many songs. Gillies. That's all right. That's all right. But uh, yeah, no, I think that's a great album choice for number nine. My number nine, Sean, is from one of my favorite bands of all time, Led Zeppelin. Um, 
it's Mothership. Mothership by Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it now Mothership's an interesting one because it's a collection of all of their songs. It's it's a compilation album. Truly, truly it is. And the one thing that I do like about it is that all the songs are remastered. Um, so I grew up listening to Led Zeppelin on the 45s in my living room on the record player, all my mom's original Led Zeppelin albums. But there's something about Mothership when you hear it on either digital platform or through a CD. It still has the clarity of the original, but it has like that extra level of sound that it truly deserves. And that's why it's at number nine for me, because I think just in terms of sound engineering, it, it is yeah. it is a masterpiece for Led Zeppelin. It really is. It is. I mean, the, the album, just Led Zeppelin's album art is, fa- is fantastic. <laughs> this is, I mean, it's the it's so iconic too. It's like once you see that sh- the the album's like, oh, that's Led, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, you see the Zeppelin coming crashing down. Yeah, that's it. You know it's them. You know it's them. But uh, how about number eight for you, Sean? Because this is some interesting territory here. Uh huh. And funny thing, mine is also. Uh, I say, I say that's my number seven. Sorry, my number eight is uh, Master Puppets by Metallica. It, okay. And interesting. I I chose that uh, because that album got me into heavy metal. It's that was the one. I mean, it was more actually more of the songs on Guitar Hero. Oh yeah, that will do it. That will do it. And that got into me listening to the album with like all Disturbed, Slipknot, and all. Oh, and Disturbed, Meta- yeah. Metallica, but I chose Master Puppets because that's the one that, that uh, spoke to me when I was like, "Oh, this is this is what a heavy metal album should be." Master yeah. Puppets. Uh, Orion wow. and um, mm. I mean, I think Metallica never fails with their albums. No. I mean, their albums are so good. We have Ride of the Lightning, the self-titled <clears throat> album. Yep, self-titled album. Oh man, oh uh, one Justice for All, mm-hmm. one Justice for All. I mean, Justice for All. Yep, there's so many good ones from Metallica, man. I mean, I mean, Meta- Metallica is one that's like, oh. This is what guitar playing should be. Yes. I mean, soloing, bridging, bass, the drum is like, mm. it's just the, uh, yeah, the mass, the, the, not the masterpiece, just all of them combined is like, oh, this is what it sounds like. It's so cool. Good music. That's what good music sounds like <laughs> when you put yes. it all together 100%. Now, my number eight, and I think this is going to come as a surprise to you, is a hip-hop album. Um, mm. It's by a guy named Jay-Z. Um, it's my favorite album of all time from Jay-Z. It's uh, Kingdom Come. Oh, I think you're going to say Blueprint. <laughs> well, Blueprint's, listen, Blueprint's my favorite. Blueprint is a good album. It really is. There was something about Kingdom Come, though, that I feel like Jay-Z was moving from his original style into the, like the new age of Jay-Z where he was, he was moving away from sampling and he was doing more of his own like self-built beats. Um, and there was something about kingdom come for me. Like I, I consistently, you know, listened to it over and over, uh, especially in my high school years. Um, that was a 
big album for me. Like I had it uh, on my iPod mm. and it, it was one lost one that, that song. Oh my goodness gracious. And dig a hole. That's, that's <laughs> the one for me. I love the beat to that song, man. And then can the hustle with Mary J Blige. I mean, that song right there was like my anthem when I was DJing and I was learning how to scratch. That was the song. I think the album that got me into Jay-Z more was the Blueprint 3. Oh, Blueprint 3, 100%. He, he had Lil Wayne on that. He had everybody. I mean, I bought that album. It's like one of the, my favorite Jay-Z albums. I mean, mm. Run This Town, I love that song. Because oh. Rihanna's, Rihanna, Alicia Keys, Jay-Z, Kid Cudi's, like everyone that I loved. Like, that was a real I, feature like, album. I, it was. I mean, I love feature albums. That's what got me into DJ Khaled. I mean, before he, his <laughs> pre, his pre, his pre uh, we, when it was we the best, we the best. Yeah, we the best music. That whole yeah, I feel you on that one. Yep, hundred percent. How about uh, let's see, we got number eight. Did you do number eight yet? Yes. Yes. All right. So now we're on to number seven, Sean. Number, number seven. Number seven is actually the Woodstock album. Uh, the the Woodstock album. Yes, and I chose it because oh. I actually have it on the record on the record. And oh, you do? You have it on forty-five? You have it on LP? Well, I had the I had the three discs one. Oh, okay. All right, so you have the physical in that. Okay. Yeah, and I chose it because that's what got me into record collecting and just just collecting all those old music. I mean, I'm not huge of collecting newer records. Yeah, no, you and I have been into plenty of shops, like when we've been to Portland and stuff, and even downtown Portsmouth to Bull Moose, and you and I have gone through records countless mm-hmm. times countless times man and you're always looking for the older stuff the joan baez the well yeah i mean my my recent one was the jan shoplin pearl which which did not make it on my list (laughs) that's a great album it's top 20 but yeah probably number probably like 13 12 for me 14 but i didn't but yeah the woodstock album was it's it's so iconic because it just features everyone that is like when you when you find the artist because compilation albums you find the like various artists he's like hey I'm gonna go find out who this is and who this is and that's what it made me branch out from my more classical music tastes. Right, right. No, I I think that's great. That's and anybody out there who knows that album, you know, shout us out. Shout out, Sean. You know, if you got it on hand too, mm-hmm. got got to reach out to us. Let us know what you're listening to, what you're liking. My seven, seven for me is an album called Business as Usual from Men at Work. 80s Ooh, music. Yeah. Man. 80s music, man. There's, there's a few of those on here for me, um, including the one after this. And Men at Work, I mean, Colin, Colin Frey is one of my favorites. Um, you know, I think Men at Work, who can it be now? No, do, 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 do. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great song. Um, and then, of course, um, he come from the land down under. <laughs> I mean, 
Land Down Under and Who Can It Be, right off that album. It is just iconic songs, man. You hear them and you can't not sing to them. You can't mm-hmm. not sing to them. And I'm telling you, Men at Work, one of my favorite groups out of the 80s. And that album, just the album cover alone, black and yellow, the way it's designed, it, it sticks out, man. I got it downstairs. I listened to it on and off at times, but I got the digital version on my phone, and, and it's a go-to. It's a go-to 80s album. It is. It, I'm not a huge 80s fan. I mean, but Man at Work, I love like any 80s for Men at Work. Yeah. The good stuff, man. How about you? What's number uh, seven? Six. On our- six? six. Six. Six for you. Oh, my goodness. We're already on six? Yes. Oh. Uh, oh. Well, before we get to five, we'll do some uh, mentions, I guess. We'll, we'll just yeah. listen them out really quick. But yes. uh, for number six, is also is actually a compilation album. Mm-hmm. And it's Greatest Hits by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Ooh, I have that one. I have, I, that, on, I ha- I, I have that on CD. Yeah, same here, man. How and, cool is that? Yeah, and I was I always listen to that al- album like no matter where. It's like because I used to have it on on I used to have a CD player and listen to it on on the way, way to school. <laughs> Dude, I can remember oh, back also to with days of that. Yes, also was was it now music? <laughs> <laughs> No, that's what I call music, like, 38 and stuff. <laughs> yep, it had all the early 2000s R&B stuff. <laughs> it had Avril Lavigne on it. Av- I have to go and make things so complicated. <laughs> or the Pussycat Dolls. Oh, don't even don't, start me don't on the Pussycat you, Dolls. Huh? Like, <laughs> Did you have to consistently hit the CD player to skip it because it wouldn't do it right away? I like that song. You Wait, are you saying that you rode on that school bus listening to that song, Sean? Yes. Uh, hey, you know what? Everybody admits to the Pussycat Dolls at some point. So Why not? Why but, the hell not? But uh, <laughs> for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I think uh, the greatest hits is because like, it gives you this, the greatest hits of the songs, like Californications. Oh, uh, Californication, man. Californication. Um, um, none of that was a song called Over, Overside. Is that what it's called? Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Don't really give it away now. Oh, such a good song. I mean, I wish I'd seen them live, but... Oh, man. They would have been great to see live. At least not right now. Oh, no. Not not now. Not now. Not now. But soon. Yes, soon indeed. Number six for me... Um is another 80s song like I teased. Or another 80s band, 80s song. It's interesting because the title of the album is the featured song on the album. Um, And it's a little band called Spando Ballet. And it's the album True. Um, Spando Ballet for me. Man, you want to talk about iconic 60s song? Ha, 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 ha. I know this much is true. You know, that song, man. Uh, I apologize to all of our listeners. If you want to pull your Patreon money right now, now's the time to do it after I just did that. Um, but listen, Spando Ballet, 80s music from the UK. I know Scott Inch knows the band I'm talking about. Spando Ballet, hands down, 
number six, my favorite. That album, True Man, so many great songs on it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, number. Oh, let's do our honorable mentions before we hit number uh, five. Five honorable. You do just just say five. Yeah, I'll just do five honorable mentions. Um, Nor Jones, the okay. last album, um, come away with me. Her first yep. album, it got me into indie music, and yep. especially "Don't Know Why," one of my favorite songs of all time. It's probably like number twenty for me, or whatever. Don't yeah. know why. Dun, dun, oh, so good, dun, man. Dun. Um, nineteen eighty nine by Taylor Swift. Yep. Um, uh, any Ar- Army of the Pharaohs albums? I mean, <laughs> Just in general, any of them? Because and Jedi Mind Tricks, none of them made the list, right? Sadly, but but they're all up there. And I would say the Janis Joplin album, which is an honor mention again. So nice, nice. That's uh, those are some really great ones. I have nice reverb. What's that? I got some reverb rolling. Yeah. Oh, I love some reverb, man. I love that reverb. Um, one. Uh, so here's my five honorable mentions right here. Album called Jim from Jamie Lydell. Uh, one of my personal favorites. Soul singer. Um, let's see. I also have American Gangster from Jay-Z as mm-hmm. one of my honorable mentions. An interesting one that I'm not so sure if anybody would think that I would really, really consider is Beer Bongs and Bentleys from Post Malone. Wow. Um, Yeah, that's an honorable mention for me because that album alone, the style, the movement of the songs, like there's especially his feature with Nicki Minaj there. Mm, Uh, uh, Oh, man. I've got to put Pink Print on an honorable mention. Or, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Pink Print. Uh, the Pink Friday. Yep. The, her first album, which that's a great one. That's a really great one. Uh, American Love Call, which is an album by Duran Jones and the Indications. Duran uh, Duran. Duran. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on Duran Duran. I love me some Duran Duran for sure. And let's see, how many more do I got? I got one more. I got one more honorable mention. Um. I think this one's going to take you by surprise, too. And it's a hip-hop album by a man named Meek Mill. It's Championships. Uh, That's from a great Mill. album. That is not a great album, man. It's my favorite from Meek Mill. And listen, 24-7 with LMA. I am a huge fan of LMA. And I think that song is probably the best on that album. And even her new song with Ed Sheeran is, like, super good. So, yeah, those are my five championships from Meek Mill. Boom, right there. Meek, shout out the Brick City Blockade if you get a chance, man. Mm. If he's listening. If Meek Mill's listening. I don't know if he is. Probably not. Probably not. All right, Sean. Let's move into number five for our listeners. What's your number five? My number five is Florence and the Machine Ceremonials. I had a feeling Florence would make it in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it, that album's one of my favorites. I, mm-hmm. I think we, we. I said that for my. I'm gonna be quickly because I said it in my last, in the last episode of mm-hmm. when we did top favorite bands, and I mentioned. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That album, that album, with lungs itself, 
Both both mm-hmm. both albums just got me what into uh, indie music and self and just her, her voice is so uh, yeah iconic. She's got a great voice, great voice. I think pretty iconic to this generation too, um, in terms of indie music and indie sound as well. Um, Florence no, and Machines yeah. is fantastic. And Florence no give, is great. I don't think people give them enough credit what they do. And no. And today they released a new unreleased album. Only song, sorry, not album, it was a song. <laughs> yeah, but yes, right. that's my number five. Number five. All right, my number five is from a band who I know your mom really likes. You've told me this before. Um, it is one of my mom's favorite bands. I think we've talked about that multiple times. Uh, it's a from the, from the band The Police. Um, yeah, and it's Regatta de Blanc is the name of the album. That's got. Uh, don't stand, don't stand so close to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's so many great songs on that album. Uh, the Police Sting is just one of the best. And they did such a great job of crossing over rock sound with reggae, with ska, with, um, you know, just UK, really UK rock in many ways uh, during the 80s and just really enveloped that sound. So. Regatta de Blanc from the police, number five for me. How about number four for you, Sean? Uh, f- uh, number four for me is the f- uh, hip hop album, uh, 36 Chambers, uh, Wu Tang. Uh, that's what got me into Wu Tang forever. Wu Tang uh, got me into uh, more, more producing of. Yeah. That because like, when I listen to the album, I always get uh, just. It's like, hey, I could do what what they could do. Like, I mean, I think of the production alone. It's RZA is such a ph- uh, phenomenal production yeah. producer. Uh, and just mixing uh, martial arts with uh, hip-hop, and it's so cool. I mean, just oh, the whole album is so cool. I mean, it, it's I think it's one, one of the most iconic hip-hop albums up with, the, with Illmatic and Jay-Z's album and yeah yeah i agree with you man and it's funny that you're along that same line of iconic hip-hop albums because i feel like my number four from a little man called by kendrick lamar is uh pretty iconic i think you know which album i'm talking about um pretty iconic to this day and age too like when Mm -hmm. it came out there was a lot going on in the country and i feel like it united not only the hip-hop community but it spoke it was poetry man and that's to pimp a butterfly oh that's yours that's mine man it it is it is that's not mine i know but it's but what i'm saying is yours is iconic wu-tang to that time yeah to that period to production wise to I, pimp I, a butterfly was I just think, i think good kid messity is more i agree i do agree with that but more, I think, icon, more iconic i think that's that's what i think right. but i think socially socially to pimp a butterfly is iconic because maybe, it because of when it yeah. because of the time in which it came in maybe it's just um, maybe, maybe i just don't didn't listen to that much that album as much right because i think i, I just love the production more on good mess city and mm-hmm. I, Mm-hmm. I'm a huge production fa- production fan of the pimp, my pimp butterfly, but yeah, I, but I both both albums are fantastic. By the way, how, oh totally. How much does a dollar cost? It is like one of my favorite songs on that album because I, that, I mean favorite, he's just spitting man. Favorite Kendrick Lamar song? 
on that album in particular. Oh. Um, my favorite Kendrick Lamar song of all time. <sighs> I mean, I love All Right, the other song on that album, but I is a good one too. The original release, not the album release, but the is that the, is that the live version? Not the live version. No, no. Um, I'm no, the, the original the, one. The, yes. the original one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I bought that single too. Oh, dude, that song is I love myself. That, oh, that's my, my, of course, my favorite song is I think uh, it's not many people will choose this is Sing About Me Dying of Thirst. That's a great one, man. It's, I don't care if it's 12 minutes long. I listen to that. Uh, daily. The longer the better. The longer the better in music. Yeah, the longer the better. But like, <laughs> it's, it's such great storytelling, too. Oh, totally. Absolutely. I think between Kendrick Lamar and, and J. Cole, like during, especially during that time, um, some of the best storytellers in hip hop today. Mm-hmm. I think hands down on that one. You know, I hear people say, oh, Drake's a great storyteller. <laughs> I think, dude, have you listened to a J. Cole or Kendrick Lamar album all the way through then? Like, that's just what I say. But, yeah, I mean, I don't choosers know. I don't... to be beggars. Is that exactly. the right saying? Yes. Yes. Uh, number, is, was that four? That was number four. So we are into our top three right now, Sean. Okay. Yes. Number three. My number three is... Trace is Speak Now by Taylor Swift. I had a feeling that I was wondering, because you had Taylor Swift in your honorable mention, so I was wondering if she would break your top three, and she did. She did, and because I used to not listen to Taylor Swift, and... Yeah, you didn't. And then I think when that album came out, it's like, oh, this is what got me into listening to her music, and... I think it's one of the best uh, lyrics, a, yeah. a singer, songwriter. I mean, she write, she writes her own, uh, that album, she wrote every single single song on her, own, yeah. on her own. And I think that's phenomenal what she did. And she has a great voice, but I think she's one of those famous or biggest pop stars right now. And now, you saw Taylor Swift live, correct? I did, but that was for the 1989 tour. But did seeing her live, now this happens for a lot of people, and I'm curious to hear if it happens for you. Does it solidify your respect for her when you see when you saw her live? Oh, 100%. Okay, all right. I mean, I wish it was a much smaller venue because it's probably more, much. Because of course, I saw her at the Jot Stadium, but. Because that's what Kebmo did for me when we went to go see him. By your invite, which I was, I'm still yes. like amazed and super yeah, appreciative about still, because still one of my top th- top three concerts to go to. Oh, Temo, Temo, Taylor Swift, and Florence. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, that that moment when we got to go outside after and talk with the keyboardist and said hi to Kev and talk to him quickly. Like that was that was really cool. So I, I feel like when you have those interactions, when you see them live and man, if you get the chance to even talk to the artist for a little bit, like even for like 10 seconds, it can really make the difference in and terms that's of what, how you look at it. That's how social media is. I mean, tells yeah. is really good with social me- media with that. I mean, interacting with our fans and all that. I think. Yeah. It's, yeah, she is. Have you seen the, her documentary? I have not. I think Mary has my sister, but I'm not too sure. I'm gonna have to do that. I'm in quarantine now, right? I'm at home. At home. Oh, yeah, it's really me. good. 
But yeah, that's my number three. Number three. Number Trace for me. I think you had an understanding that a reggae album would probably crack my top three. Mm -hmm. Um, Bob Marley and the Wailers, which one? Exodus. Exodus is my favorite Mm -hmm. album. It has Get Up, Stand Up. It has Exodus on it. It has, oh man, how, where do I even start? I Shot the Sheriff I on it. I Shot the Sheriff. But I didn't shoot the deputy. Eric Clapton. Listen, everybody knows the Eric Clapton version. Everybody knows that version. But it was Bob Marley and the Whalers, man. It was an Eric Clapton. Let me get that straight to you. Um Eric Clapton just made it great. He just, yeah, he he really like. I'm gonna say it, not necessarily Americanized it, but he he really brought rock, the rock form to it, um, which was great. I think their collaboration between reggae and other artists is some of the best stuff that we've seen across the board. I mean, Bob Marley. I don't know if anybody knows this out there, but Bob Marley and the Whalers started their career by opening for the Rolling Stones. That's how they got started. And oh. that's what made Bob Marley and the Whalers. That's that, that brought out their appeal in the UK. And then when they started touring here in America. And man, I'm telling you, Bob's collaboration and his friendship with Mick Jagger was so important in, in early stages. And um, the Rolling Stones and, and the Bob Marley and the Whalers will always be like those two bands that are really close to each other in that case. And uh, it, it's so cool. And Exodus is like that album. That was really where I felt Bob Marley and the Whalers reggae music itself hit Rolling Stone type level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's oh, why it's number three for me. I want to give on your mention because you mentioned Aaron Clapton. Uh, Layla, Derek and the, Dom- and the oh, Dominoes. Yeah. Such a great album. Derek and the Dominoes, man. Oh, my goodness. I have not heard that name in a long time. Long, 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 long. I don't remember having a droid. Hello. (laughs) I hear microwaves. Is that a droid? Yes. (laughs) Technically, technically a microwave is a droid. Yes. Um, Number two for you, Sean. We're in the top two. Yes. uh, My top album, second top album is, can you guess it? Uh, okay, you know, I'm just going to say Viva La Vida from Coldplay now Yes, no um, No, it's the Wiggles No um, <laughs> <laughs> James is going to love you saying that Fruit salad We're still trying to get that promotion, trying to get that promotion from the Wiggles No, it's uh, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd Oh, yes, man and That That's what got into me with classic rock And <sighs> Oh, it's, it's it's an album you can't shuffle, you can't skip. You've got to play all through the wall. Oh, the wall's a great album. Yeah, that's the one for me for Pink Floyd. We don't need no self control. Oh, oh, that's that song is my favorite song by them. Not my favorite. What's yeah. your favorite album? Album is Dark Side of the Moon because it's. I think it's changed what music could have been. It just yeah. it's like it's it's so Very far special. out. Yeah, it's far so far, and I'm a huge experimental and yeah, you are <laughs> music and in bed. No, uh, <laughs> no. 
<laughs> just kidding. Uh, that was I, I had to make it. Uh, I, had, I had to make that joke. Uh, no, but it, such an experimental for uh, music in general, and yes. and I think what's what's my favorite song? Right? Oh, my favorite song off that album is probably either "Time" oh, or time. or um, I can't remember the name. Hold on, wow. man, you're throwing me back. Oh, uh, Eclipse. Oh, Eclipse, man. Two great songs. But Are you kidding me, man? Famous, oh, The Wall, part two, so, mm. uh, is the best solo of all time, in my opinion. Wow. I think, That's I think it's so... I was going to say it's so... No, iconic. It's so... Uh, it is iconic, I guess, in my opinion. But, it is? Yeah, it is. Um, if you guys... In quarantine, has had never go on YouTube and just watch Dark Side of the Moon uh-huh. with the Wizard of Oz. It'll whoa, man. Trip and whoa, that yes. is it, all right. It's we're gonna we're, <laughs> we're gonna leave it on that and wait for people to message us and say thank you for that, Sean. Well, <laughs> it's not from me. It's from I. I we watched that in uh, band class. Whoa, for, really? For, for, for our class, actually. Wow. Mr. Miles, how'd you doing that? Yeah. We, we, we watched a lot of documentaries. We watched all the, the Beatle yeah. documentary, which was actually really good. That is a good one. That I, is don't, a, I don't remember which one it was, but... It's a long time ago in a high school far, far away. Um, yeah. Let's see. Number two for you. Number two for me, Queen has to break my top three. Always. Always. Um, a night at the opera from queen. Um, that's the one that stands out the most to me. That is, oh, probably one of my consistent listens to this day. Um, I, you know, queen is one of my favorite bands of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, again, I, I think I said this probably a couple episodes ago, maybe even three episodes ago that, uh, after seeing the, the queen movie, it really like, it really like propelled my love for the, for that band even more. And I think the one song on it that really still stands out to me, and it's not Bohemian Rhapsody. It's not, mm-hmm. it's love of my life because that song is, is a great song. And it was written because Freddie Mercury was going through such a hard time. Mm-hmm. It was, it was written at his, at his deepest point of sorrows in his life and the message within it. I think many people can relate to who have been through a lot in their lives. Um, no matter what it is, any kind of sorrow, they can relate to it. And that song still like when he was singing it in the film, <laughs> I, I couldn't Oh, that, that, scene, that scene alone made me cry. Oh, and, but that now going back and listening to it and realizing, I mean, that album alone, you have that song, you have Bohemian Rhapsody, you have God Save the Queen, uh, you, you're my best friend. I mean, uh, it's so many iconic songs, man, on that one album. And the orchestration in that album is stunning. Mm-hmm. They were told that they would never get that album off the ground. They were told that... Nobody would ever listen to anything like that, ever. And then you had mm. groups like them. 
you had a group like um, Electric Light Orchestra who came out during that oh, time. Jeff Lynn. Yeah. Oh, I but, love, love that. A bad. <laughs> oh, and it's just that alone. Anything orchestral instead of rock music. Oh, it's just you, you get lost in it, man. You get lost that, in it. I, that's what I learned about uh, symphonic metal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's what within temptation. I mean, within temptation. Uh, within. What is it? What is it called? No, is I it with? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, I don't. I, yes. yes. What? Yes, it is within temptation. Yeah. I just. I thought it sounded weird for a second, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Stefano metal is pretty cool. All right, Sean, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's get to the top song, top album. Sorry, 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 sorry. Top album. This might surprise people. Not really surprise people, but okay. Not many people would probably put it up there, but I put it up there. Is the infamous by the Mob Deep, one of my favorite albums of all time. You put Mob Deep at number one, man. I that is great. The, inf- the infamous album. Yeah, that is a great album. Oh, every song just just gives me chills. It's such a good story album. Yeah. Rest in peace, um, Prodigy. Yeah, I know. But that album is what made me in like Illmatic and Wu-Tang is like this album made me even love hip hop even more. I mean, I'm just looking some of these songs. Survival of Fittest, Shook (laughs) One, Part Two. Uh, I think the, I think the the one of the greatest songs on that album, so underrated because it's Cradle cradle to the Grave. Oh, dude, Cradle to the Grave. And, and that's just another life. It's like you become, you're born, it's, it's literally birth to death. That's what his song is. And it's the story, story of the life. Yeah. Man. And there's so rising. I mean, some great, uh, has Ghostface Killer, Raycon, Nas, Big Noid, Crystal Johnson. Big Noid, man. Oh, my goodness. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Well, this and this album, I think, is one of the best sampled album. Which, because sampling during that time was like, mm-hmm. it's, I, I, it was, it's yeah. Hard. No, what you're saying it is hard during that time period. It was, and every sample in the song is like, oh, it's so unique and different, mm-hmm. which would make sampling so, uh, like finesse on this album that's that's a great way of putting it too yeah it is very finesse like they have um i'm looking right now uh this sampled al al green the spinners oh um, all the classics yeah grove all the 70s and that's what i loved because this is it felt like a 70s hip-hop album basically yeah (laughs) but but it's the 90s and it came out almost a year after my birthday so it's like my Oh, it was recorded in 1994, so it's like, hey, it was destined, but to be (laughs) your your favorite album. 
All right. I just said the band. I just said it along with Queen. It's Electric Light Orchestra. Um, and it's the album Out of the Blue from 1977, man. That album is... It's got the song on it, Mr. Blue Sky. Mr. Blue Sky. <laughs> uh, that in turn is... So wrong. So wrong. <laughs> I mean... Turn to Stone, Night in the City. Jeff Lynn is a master. Absolute master. I put him up there with Eric Clapton. I put him up there with Daryl Hall from Hall and Oates. I put him up there with with Freddie Mercury, man. He, and he knew everybody. That was the thing about Jeff Lynn. He knew all of them. He knew everybody from Led Zeppelin. He knew what was going on in the music industry at that time. Um, he was experimental. The, the, again, the orchestral sound of ELO with their music. Just the end of Mr. Blue Sky it mm. is just, it, it has an emotional feel to it. And I, I remember the first time I heard Mr. Blue Sky at the very end, I got emotional because it's the tones in which they use. Mm. And it's just a happy song, man. It is such a it happy is. song. That album is a feel good album. You're driving around in the summer. You're going along the coast. Like when I go down to see you and we're recording, man, or hanging out, I got that album blasting out of my car because it's the feel good album when you are in a great place or if you're not in a good place and you want to be in that place. Yeah. Like, my, like, that's what like Red Bone does, and totally. That's another great. Uh, Come get your love, and Come I mean, get your, get your love. love. I, I love that. Didn't I? Like I love those most, those styles of music. It's <laughs> it gives you so happy, and uh, man, music, man. <laughs> Just say it like that, music, man. It music. makes us happy. It makes us happy. All right, now. I have one one honorable mention that I had to throw in here. Me too, man. Yeah. I almost forgot. I almost forgot this one. And it's not really... I just want to shout it out because this guy at this time, not only... Uh, I mean, musically, it's it's he's doing some amazing things for our world right now and for our communities during this, this COVID-19 stretch. Um, he's a great community member. He's also a pretty good actor, too. Um, and he's a really great producer. And I don't know if you're expecting. No, man, I don't know if you're expecting this. And it's the one album I think you'll you'll get why I'm saying it in a minute because, um, man, what this thing did on Broadway, quite amazing. Oh yeah, it's it's Hamilton. Hamilton's the 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 soundtrack and also the remix album that featured all those great hip hop artists, man. Alicia Keys. Um, My girl you know, Snow made it on there. Your girl uh, Snow on Immigrants, man. And um, what's his name? Uh, Riz. Riz. Riz Ahmed, man. He made it in there too. And I have to give credit because Lynn has been able to do some things musically. He has transcended Broadway into the mainstream. I can't he wait has. to see that new movie by him. Oh, oh um, uh, Heights. Heights. What in the Heights. Called? In, in the, the Heights, man. Oh, a Latino-focused film that comes from Broadway. It's about damn time. And I love that play. I do. It, it is. It is one of the best things. And 
Um, I have to give an honorable mention to Hamilton, the original soundtrack, and to um, the remix album because it really spanned hip-hop into Broadway. He was really the first one, I feel, to do that. Okay, so I have two honorable mentions. Yeah, go for it. Throw Uh, it, man. The first one is, of course, Billie Eilish. I think her her first album, I think it's it's phenomenal what what her and Phineas have done. Oh, totally. Because it, Her sister it, combo, man. She's a great voice, and I think just I'm praising that album because the production on that album is it's so unique. I think it's, isn't it all done in a home studio. Yeah, it's it's not it's not your typical pop album, too. It's, it's not, like, and that's what I loved about uh, what, what's the album called? I should know this. You should know it. What's Every, going on? Every everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that... when we fall asleep, where do we go? Yeah, yep. And my other one is controlled by SZA. I... Wow. Okay. Curious to hear why. Her voice, man. Yeah. Okay. I... There we go. <laughs> there it is. And as some, one of the has Kendrick on there, uh, yep. James uh, Fonteroy, which mm. is really good. Uh, I think that's one of the best R&B albums of this, of this year. Not of this, of this ten-year span. What do you want? Century? No, decade. Sorry, the decade. Last, yeah. last decade. Hey, it may push the century too, man. It may per- push the cent- century the way things are going, but um, you know, it, I I agree, and I think, hey, folks listening to this episode, whether you've stopped it and have come back, listen. We got so much great music for you here now. If you didn't know about any of these artists, any of these albums, any of the songs that we've mentioned, you've got your playlist for quarantine all locked in now, thanks to Brick City Blockade. So and tag us and yes, please tag, absolutely tag us, tag us music that we shouldn't know about it. Yeah, share out share out the songs, share out the albums that you're listening to right now. It, it's almost like Sean. It's like every week. Like to start off the week, we should put a tweet out that says "now listening," and then people can share out what they've been listening to over we should, the weekend. We should, we should we should do that every episode because I know my music oh, changes yeah. quickly. Yeah, I like that. We just kick. Well, yes, you know what? We're not even gonna say any more about it. It's happening on episode forty. 40. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, man. So I'm super excited to hear that. But. With all those music recommendations and all those conversations, including Sean slipping in some conversation about the bedroom there very quickly, uh, we are going to take this. (laughs) We're going to take this episode and we're going to wrap it with a big bow and send it off through Amazon safely so that you can pick it up with your gloves, wipe it down, and make sure that you get it safely. Uh, It's a little thing we like to call, Sean. Present time. Present time. Ho, ho. Yeah, that's right. It's called Plug Time here from the Brick City Blockade Podcast. Mr. Sean Misha, where can the good people find you on the Sosh Mead? You guys can follow me on Twitter at SeanMishow1. Twitter, Instagram, it's Zone Z. Music at Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. You got something else? No. Okay. (laughs) 
I thought you were gonna throw in a little thing like, "Hey, if you just want to DM me, like you wanna, you wanna hang out via via uh, via, via Skype or Zoom. via Skype, <laughs> like or Zoom or, or <laughs> Zoom Twitter DM me. I don't know. Oh man, Zoom itself is just something else. Uh, you guys can follow me over on Twitter at Mister Vote Tweets. Check out the Brick City Blockade over there at Brick City SWPC for all the latest episodes and all the updates, including some music focused stuff that will be pushing forward to you guys letting us know what your top 10 albums are what you've been listening to during this time also head on over to t public grab our t-shirts um they'll be on sale coming up here so make sure to grab one support the podcast that way also support the podcast on patreon your monthly donation helps keep the feed rolling helps build us conversations like this you guys have always wanted us to really break down some of our favorite music some of our favorite albums you got it it's here it's because of Patreon, so make sure to go on over there. Chip in every month. Um, we take your recommendations, we throw them out into the ether, and we say, hey, Sean and I sit down, we're like, let's talk about this on this next episode. So make sure to do that. And of course, uh, over on our Facebook page, there'll be more details uh, about upcoming uh, live streams, things that we got going on, so make sure to check that out as well. But uh, hey, Until next time, folks, be safe, be well, stay at home if you can, save lives. And as we always say, it's not a podcast until we do so. May the force be with you. Always. Thank you to everyone. Staying home. Thank you. God bless you. Y'all rock. Y'all rock. And roll. And the winner is Rocky! Yay!